pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for this congregation. I thank you so much, God, that you know us, that you don't just know us, know us, that you really deeply, deeply know us, God, that there is nothing that we can hide from you. I pray that today, God, that you would peel off those layers in our heart, God, and you would just do something incredible in our lives, God. That we would never stop wanting to grow. That we would never stop wanting to search after you, God, because the joy of the Lord is our strength, God. And I just pray that we would find that joy every day in you, God. Lord Jesus, I am just sensing this morning that there are people that are tired and not just tired from not getting any sleep, God, but I just sense that there is this overwhelming exhaustion upon us, that we're tired of the things that we do every day, that we're tired of life, that we've forgotten the joy of the Lord. And I just pray today, God, that you would just place that back in our hearts again, God that we would find that deep strength that comes from within you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We give everything to you today. Amen. Welcome. You all look so beautiful and handsome and (laughs) well-dressed. Thank you, team. So... Didn't Dave preach awesome last week? I listened to it. I wasn't able to be here, but I did listen to it online. And he started a series called Living Well in These Days. And I just was like, oh, this is so great. And I really jumped on the bandwagon and was like, can I just, can I keep going with that? Because I just really felt like it was such an important thing. And so I have entitled my message Living Well in These Days. (laughs) And um, one of the things that, I loved about it was the verses that he used, and that was in Hebrews 12, 25 to 29, and that's in the message. And I just want to reiterate and go back over quickly um, those verses because they impacted me so deeply. So don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations. This time, he's told us quite plainly that he'll rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase, one last shaking, means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not, indifferent, is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. 
God is a jealous God. And I believe right now that he's cleaning house and we are that house. And within us is the house of God. And God is saying, right, now's the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. And today, my message is about Jonah. And we've all heard about Jonah. I'm sure that in anybody who's attended Sunday school um, would know about Jonah. And um, we always used to joke at Sunday school that if you didn't hear what the question was, you could always answer Jesus, Moses, or Jonah. Um, <laughs> and you were guaranteed to get it right. Uh, <laughs> um, so... I would like to start in Jonah, and I'm reading from the NIV, and it is chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, because obviously there's four chapters, and I'm, it would be incredibly boring to read it out. But I will read the bits that I'm going to speak on, and then I will summarise the rest. So, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amit- Am- Amitai. See, I never get these names right. Yeah, Amitai? It'll do. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So he was pretty serious. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such violent storms arose that the ship threatened to break up. All of the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down, and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Surprise, surprise. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? And what is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them that he was. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And instead, the men did their best, they were pretty good guys, to row back to land so that they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. Have done as you pleased." And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. That's a pretty huge testimony. (laughs) Right, and then we know the rest. God sent a whale, and he got swallowed. Jonah got swallowed, was in the whale's belly for three days, spat up onto the beach after he realised that he might have made a mistake. And then he went to Nineveh, told them about the message that God had sent, and they repented of their ways, which, of course, Jonah said, I knew they were going to do that, which is why I didn't want to do it. And then they didn't get destroyed. Right. So let's go back to the beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1. Jonah was Amittai's son. Now, do you know what? I did a little bit of research. 
Amittai means my truth. My truth. So Jonah came from a town called Gath Hepa, near Nazareth, in the area was, that was later known as Galilee. So I'm giving you a little bit of context here. So Gath Hepa translated means wine press of the digging, right? So the wine press of shame. Just telling you the meanings. So it's like Jonah's whole life was built on the fact that God had given him a gift and was in the business of shaping his character because that's what God does. Does that with you, does that with me. So Jonah was born into this place that meant pressing down into the depths of a person's character and drawing out the things that we hide. And I just love how the Bible is full of names and places that pretty much explain their personality traits or their failings. Like, all their strengths. Like, it's pretty incredible like that. And most Christians that I know when they were having babies would just, like, try to read through the Bible and choose, like, a name that would be the strength of whatever their baby was going to be, you know. So, you know, we've, we've got, like, um, Judah or, you know, like, really strong baby names that, you know, and, that, and just because they just want that strong meaning behind it. So... And it was really funny because we've been studying, our life group's been studying Thessalonians and I, we were having a laugh the other day and I think I mentioned it in one of my preachers before that I didn't realise that Jason was a biblical name. But we find out in Thessalonians that Jason was a biblical name and he actually was a really good guy and he, he was really strong and he took the, he took the fall for um, some of the disciples and, and said, you know, like he, he was strength. So it came across his story made him look like he was strong and that he stood up for the gospel, which was really awesome. So, what does Jonah mean? Jonah means dove. So we've got his first name Jonah, meaning dove, and his last name meaning my truth. And I don't think that's an accident. So this is where we get to know Jonah's personality. So he was obviously a prophet because he's in the first verse that God spoke to him, that God said a word and didn't say everybody heard it, it just said he heard it. And we don't know much about Jonah because uh, we said there was some, I had a little bit of research and then in 1 Kings it said that it may have been Jonah that they were talking about because Jonah is mentioned but they weren't quite sure if it was Jonah. So we'll just say, and the Jonah that was mentioned in 1 Kings was a prophet. So he's got a book written about him, we know that. Uh, We know that he was a prophet and we know that this is the Old Testament, so Jesus hasn't come yet. And so the job of Jonah and the prophets were to bring the messages from God to the people. So, dove, my truth. And I don't think this is an accident. I think it's pretty incredible. Because according to his gift, like he could, this could mean that he was like beautiful at bringing the truth, like, like a dove, because who doesn't like doves? Like, everybody has this symbol of a dove that they fly down and it's so beautiful. And so he obviously was this prophet that could bring the truth beautifully and, and had a real gift for it. And that's why I just, I think, like, it doesn't seem like it's an accident that it was like that. So this is where the story gets interesting. So we're all made up of DNA from our parents. Um, you know, either our biological parent, or we may not know our parent, or um, maybe, you know, you don't even know who your parents are. So... Uh, but you're made up from someone. So we all get this DNA. So with that comes good and bad traits. Like, so sometimes you get, you know, you don't really get to choose your traits, do you? But sometimes you, things come out and you think, oh, my goodness, I'm like my mum. Or, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I'm doing that. I'm like my dad. Uh, or you think, oh, yeah, I want to be like that. You grow up thinking, oh, you know, like I know my boys, they just say want to be like dad. They want to be, you know, dad can fix anything. Dad can do that. 
And so there's really good stuff too. So whether we like it or not, that's just part of life. Uh, the beautiful stuff and the ugly stuff. And the thing about Jonah is he hears from God, and this is what really frustrates me about Bible stories sometimes, is that he directly goes the other way. He's a word from God, he's a prophet, he needs to go and tell the people, what does he do? He runs the other way. I don't understand. I don't get it. Like, why would he do that? So it's more like actions speak louder than words, isn't it? Like, when you read something like this, it's like almost we can just cross, gloss over it and go, oh, yeah, well, he just ran away, that's okay. Well, no, it's not okay. It's not how it was meant to be. He's a prophet. He's meant to go and speak to the people. But for some reason, he decided that he needed to go. And we can see that from his actions. So looking a little bit deeper and maybe looking at the word, it's, you find more in what's not said than what's said sometimes. And I just want to impress upon everybody just the importance of when you're reading the scriptures to read it, but find the context and, and, and look at what it's, what it's not saying as well as what it's saying. What's behind the words? Ask for the revelation. You know, it's not just words. These are the truth. This is the truth. Good, Anne. Come on. Yep. Right. So we're assuming that Jonah's a book of the Bible and there's a lesson to be learned. So what is that lesson? So we don't get the full picture in the dialogue, but we've got the situation. Now, I do love Jonah so much because he's actually being really real. And I don't know about you, but there is times where I know that God's spoken to me and I've you know, completely ignored him and done whatever I wanted to do. And, and then you go back later and go, yeah, okay, I've made the wrong mis- you know, I've done the wrong thing. And he's like David. It's like they display a real-time relationship with God. It's a very good example. And I love it because it's Old Testament, not just New Testament. Like this is before Jesus. Like he's just being real. He's just obviously he had an issue. He didn't want to do this. And he knew God so well that he didn't think that God was going to strike him down, otherwise he wouldn't have run. And he even said, just throw me into the sea. It's my issue. But he wasn't also afraid of saying who he was. I am a Hebrew. God is my God, like, of the land and the sea. He is my God. He wasn't denying who he was. He just had an issue that he hadn't worked out with God. So it's only in retrospect that we look back and think, yeah, that probably wasn't the best way to respond. And that generally is what happens when I have a fight with my husband. Um, <laughs> you look back and go, oh, yeah, maybe my tone could have been better or maybe I wasn't so right as I thought I was. But at the time, you really believe that you have a cause. Yeah, and so <laughs> Jonah is really invested in this. He believes he has a cause and he paid to go on that ship. He didn't just run away somewhere. He actually gave money to go away as far away as he could. So he's got his own opinions on the situation and his own humanity that's passed from his heritage, my truth. So if you're getting an understanding of what I'm talking about, his generational thinking was clouding his ability to take the gift that he was born with, sharing the truth of God, and he mixing it up with his humanness of my truth. And, and he's, so he's got these two truths that he's, that's having a battle. His generational truth of my truth, of what his opinion was and what his judgment was, to what God says, my truth, God's truth. And we all have giftings from God. We also all have family traits. 
And he's come from this place where it's called the wine press of shame. And I thought that was an interesting name, the gath heifer. God recognises that Jonah has some personal growth to do and separating his own opinion from his truth. And God doesn't like God love to just do that with us. He's like, right, you've got your own opinion on this, now I'm going to show you my opinion. And we're like, I'm not interested, let's just find a Bible verse that matches up with my opinion and we'll go with that. (laughs) Instead of putting it into context and going, "Mm, actually, I didn't really, I don't want to change, I don't want to change. And so my first point today is, in these days, it's important to recognise that you have a gift. You have a gift. God has given us all gifts. So when my son was younger, uh, it was very evident that he had this gift, and we'll call it the strong gift of leadership on his life. And we used to know that it was a strong gift of leadership because every time we went to parent-teachers, they used to tell us that it was a strong gift of leadership. Another name for that would be bossy. (laughs) But we'll go with strong gift of leadership. And I'm not one of these people that... Um, thinks that my child can't do any wrong. So I know that, you know, it is code for your child's really bossy and you need to do something about it and make sure it's kept in check because otherwise it will be a big problem. And so, you know, I had noticed this issue and I'd also noticed that, you know, when I said, oh, who have you played with today at school? He said, oh, no, I didn't play with anyone. I just, the story, you know, I just, I didn't like the stories. Their stories are not as good as my stories. So I just decided to run around the oval instead. I was like, right, are you sure you're okay with that? No, no, I'm just getting really fit. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. And you know what? He was so secure in himself that he actually wasn't... Uh, he didn't think that anything was wrong. He just didn't want to play their games. And he was confident enough to say he didn't want to, but he wasn't movable enough to go, actually, maybe their games might be better. Maybe I just could give it a try. And I tried really hard to try to change his mind and maybe grasp the concept that if you keep on like this, you won't have any friends. Um, (laughs) And that might be okay, but like down the track, it could be a little bit lonely. And he was at home one day and I could hear some friends were over and I could hear him having this going around in a circle discussion with a friend and he didn't want to play this game. And he ran inside after a big blow up and he's crying on his bed, and I really prayed about it. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know how to... I don't know how to deal with this situation. And then I felt like the Holy Spirit said, tell him he has a superpower. So I said, okay. And he's laying on his bed, and he's in tears, and I said, you know what, you have this superpower. You have this superpower, and it's, it's like this... Um, everybody wants to follow you because you've, you're so confident and you've got this gift of leadership on your life, but it's a little bit like Superman. He's got this strength, but he's got to learn how to use it. And Superman has chosen to use it the right way, but he could just as easily use his strength the wrong way. But he's choosing to use it the right way. And you have to learn how to how to harness that gift and how to use it the right way. And all of a sudden, I could just see his eyes light up and he's like, yeah, I do have a superpower. Yes. Yes, I do want to use it for good. Yes, all right, mum. All right. And then we started this dialogue of how are we going to do that? What does that look like? What does that look like when you're having a fight with your friends? And, And, you know, obviously that issue got resolved and 
He started playing other people's games and apparently they're better than his sometimes, so that's great. And then fast forward to five years down the track, we had a little issue this week where um, he was telling me in the car about a certain friend that he had and, and he wasn't so nice to this friend because this friend hadn't been very nice to him and, and he told him the wrong answer to something at school. And then just before, uh, just before he, that this boy had to tell the teacher... He leaned over and whispered the right answer and said that he'd done, like, told him the wrong answer, which totally flustered this poor kid. And then, you know, he, my child thought it was hilarious. And I, just, he could see my face as he told me that story. And then I didn't really have to say anything. And the next day he came back to me and he said, oh, I'm really sorry, Mum, I went and apologised because I know that that's the wrong thing to do and I wasn't using my gift of leadership in the right way. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> so you have a gift. It's all within you, and you just have to find out what it is and you use it for good. And sometimes there are things that stir up within us that we don't have the confidence for or we don't believe we have a gift in or we don't even think that we've, we could ever do that. But we all have a gift and we all have a call. So each decision you make is a response to what God has called you to do. So you may not be able to choose a situation, but you can choose your response. And you're free to make whatever choice that you want. You have freedom of choice. You're free to make whatever choice you want. But you are not free of the consequences of the choices that you make. And that's what you forget is that oh my goodness, I've made that choice, now I have to live with that consequence. Yeah. And I think we're living in a world that forgets that there's consequences to choices. Yeah. Yeah. And the older that you grow, the more you realise how important choosing good and healthy responses are. Yeah. Gifts only take you so far. Discipline, obedience, self-reflection, really hard work, can take a gifting and can lift it to another level. But if you don't grow your character then all of honing your gift, all of that work can be destroyed in an instant if you make the wrong decision because your character can't sustain the gift that you're holding. No matter how gifted you are. And for all those tennis fans out there, I was trying to think of the name. Is it Tomic? Is he bad behaved? One of the bad behaved? Yeah. Like, even I don't, I'm not very a big tennis fan, but even I know that that there's people out there with a really great gift, but nobody remembers them for their gift. They remember them for their bad behaviour. Now, your gift will only be, ever be as big as your character growth. And I believe that this is the whole point of our existence, to take what, we're, what we have been given and shape it to be what God had intended us to be in, within us. And you see it in the Olympians, because... I have absolutely no doubt. I always think of this when the Olympics are on. There are people out there that are faster runners, that are faster swimmers, that are better javelin throwers, that are better, bigger, high jump people, but they just didn't have the discipline to practice and to train and to stick the hard road and to just do the work. Because all the people in the Olympics, they're the people that have done the hard yards. doesn't mean they're the greatest at it in, in the sense of, I bet there is someone that's faster, but they just didn't train. 
Right. Getting back to Jonah. And I'd love to say that this story, like I find it really incredible because when I started studying Jonah, I thought, oh, this is a story about, you know, the people of Nineveh and turning back and, and about a whale swallowing a man and how incredible is that. But I actually just think it's about a guy who knew God and they got really comfortable in himself and his relationship with God and then he stopped growing. And I feel like sometimes I can get that attitude and it's like they feel like their spiritual growth's finished. Sometimes I feel like I'm finished growing in that area, God. I don't really want to grow in that area anymore. I'm tired of doing that. I did that when I was in youth. (laughs) Now I'm grown up, I don't have to do that. Instead, I found this little thing. It said our attitude should be that of a 95-year-old Pablo... Cassells, considered to be the greatest cellist the world has ever known. A young reporter asked him one day, you're 95, the world considers you to be the greatest cellist, and still, at 95, you practice six hours a day. Why? To which he responded, because I think I'm still making progress. And I thought that was incredible. Character isn't something that you're born with. You grow it. Gifts are given, and gifts are of the spirit, like talents, and fruit from these are cultivated and character is attached to fruit. This means that there's pruning and that takes planning and weeding and growing and watering. And God is into character shaping and he doesn't care how uncomfortable it gets physically. He'll do what it takes for you to be living in the freedom that Jesus so incredibly sacrificed for us. Character needs to be developed Character doesn't judge others. Character judges itself. I have been in this position so many times where I'm like, you know, busy judging other people and how are they going and how are they going with their walk and what are they doing? And I noticed that they were doing something that wasn't probably the best instead of character. How am I going? How am I walking? What's my relationship with God like? It doesn't point out others' wrongs. And most of all, If I don't deal with it now, it will deal with me later, whatever issues I'm avoiding. Always comes around. It's all those issues that I'm trying to hide. And I I do. I am not even joking. (laughs) I had a fight about a lawnmower with my husband yesterday. I blew it up. (laughs) I did. After he told me not to mow a particular piece of grass because it couldn't handle it, I still did. And I blew it up. And then I had to admit that I was wrong. (laughs) God presses you till your character gets shaped. Character is how you respond. So living well in times like these takes careful consideration, careful considered responses. Like choosing when to not get offended, even though you were hurt. Like choosing to love anyway, even though someone did something wrong. Like choosing to stay after you've made a commitment in a marriage or in a friendship uh, or in a church because it hasn't turned out how you thought it would, even though all of you wants to leave. It's choosing and saying, actually, I give up my right to that because that's what love really is. It's like that old saying, life has no remote, so get up and change it yourself. (laughs) 
And even Paul says in Romans 7, 17 to 20, from the message, but I need something more, for I know the law, but I still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. And I realise that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. And I decide to do good, but I don't really do do it. And then I decide not to do as bad, but then I do it anyway. And my decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. And something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. Humanity. So we recognise that the character shaping through the ages has always been an issue. And we can't do it in our own strength. It requires the Holy Spirit to maintain it. Now, you know those people, and I'm probably one of them actually, this is where I'm probably not self-aware, <laughs> where you get stuck in an era, like so you like notice them, they've either got like the flares on or their haircut maybe, you've had the same haircut forever, like you just get stuck in an era because it was really good and you loved it. And I was thinking, you know, I do have clothes that I have for 20 years and I love and I always wear them and I think, oh my goodness, and you always know those people that, you know, that wear the same thing that they've worn when they were in their 20s because it was so great. And I feel like that's what character growth is. You went through this really awesome time of character growth in youth, like I said, and then you're still wearing it today. You haven't changed it. You're still wearing it. You're still wearing that patience. You're still wearing that goodness. You're still wearing that, uh, oh, what was the other one? Oh, peace, kindness, all of the fruits of the Spirit. And then things get bumpy and life goes on. And then you stick with where you're at and you wear that same character you wore 20 years ago. And you love it because it was a great time of growth and it's okay. But others can see it as plain as the nose on your face. That it's from the past that you've lost, lost touch with what people are spiritually wearing these days. And like your patience, well, it's more like quick waiting. <laughs> and your peace, well, you take your next, next year and you gave us gone for that. <laughs> and goodness, well, that is what I say when I see my daughter's dirty room. <laughs> and let's not talk about self-control when the chocolate comes out. Stephen Furtick says, you are not stuck where you started. You are stuck where you stopped. You are not stuck where you started. You are stuck where you stopped. And I thought that was incredible. And you don't have to stop where you stopped. You can choose to keep going. You don't have to stop. That's the most incredible thing about it. I thought, oh my goodness, I have stopped growing and I need to go, right God, grow me. So my point two is, in these days, it's important to recognise your responsibility. Now, back to Jonah, chapter one. God gave Jonah direction, specific direction. He wanted Jonah to call the people of Nineveh, Nineveh to him. He wanted Jonah to have compassion for the people. But as we see, he's working from his own truth, his own judgment, and he didn't want any of that grace to be afforded to the city. And when we have our own stuff, sometimes it's so one-dimensional, isn't it? And what do I mean by that? It's like we have an agenda with it. We, we just see our thing. We just see our way. We, just have, we only see our truth because that is our story. And that is the only version we're going with because that's our experience. Yeah. We, have these, we go into these situations with these preconceived ideas. Yeah. 
and understandings about things because of how we've been in previous experiences and how we've felt and how people have made us feel. And we take that into the next situation, these judgments, these hurts, these things. It doesn't matter if the facts stare you in the face sometimes. You'll always remember how it made you feel. You can't see the forest for the trees. And that is how trauma can also work. Sometimes we think something happens a certain way because we're so overcome with feelings about it when really it didn't happen quite that way. But it's how we have the muscle memory and we feel it in the moments. It's like I had a friend that I went to school with and her parents divorced when, that, when she was young and I was in grade three with her and she just thought it was her fault. And she honestly thought, because her parents always fought about her, that she had caused the divorce. Now, looking back now, I can go, uh, she obviously didn't, they were just having issues. But back in grade three, we were like, wow, like you must not be a good kid. <laughs> and she didn't think she was a good kid because she thought that she caused it. But that situation wasn't, it was only how she was seeing it, it wasn't the truth. And as an adult, we can look back and say, okay, I've got to change. There's stuff that I know that I've got preconceived ideas about. There's stuff in my life that I know that I've had a bad experience of, that I, that I want to change that experience. God, how can you help me do that? He takes you back to where your growth got stunted or there's an unresolved issue and he pokes and he stirs you. And, and he doesn't do it to be mean. He does it because he wants you to have life and life to the full. And sometimes the same situation will come around again and the same thing will happen again and again and again and you'll go, why is this still happening to me? Why does this always happen? Maybe it's because God wants to grow you. What can I learn? How can I grow in these days? It's a refining process. And we see it with Moses, with Jacob, with Joseph, with David. God spent time refining their character, no matter how ouchy their personal situation got. He spent that time. And Jonah was so stuck. You can't have a prophet that mixes his truth with God's truth, what he believed, his agenda. Or you're not a prophet. You're just another person that thinks he hears a word of God and has their own opinion and agenda on it. Now, this is funny, Nineveh, because I obviously went on a bit of a research thing. It was a town, as far as I could see, named after a patron goddess back then. But the most interesting thing is that Nina actually means fish within a house. Coincidence much? Fish within a house? So I think God has a bit of a sense of humour, because considering that his bo our body now represents a house that God lives within us, so he literally put one of his houses within a fish when Jonah disobeyed. I don't know if you found that funny. I just thought, that's such a dad joke, you know. <laughs> he wasn't, Jonah wasn't suffering from unbelief. He was suffering from blind self-opinion, probably based on previous experience. Experiences shape our ideas, our beliefs, and our heart about things, and if we don't properly debrief them with God, then it'll stay that way. So it's continually, it's so important to come back to the Word of God and to measure, use this as a measure of everything that happens to us to grow. Acts 
Actions shouldn't follow feelings. Feelings should follow actions. Chris Fallerton says, feelings are great servants but terrible masters. And at its core, truth is not a what but a who because Jesus said that he is the truth and Jesus also said that God's word is truth. The world loves to think of truth as fluctuating and relative, but the truth that we choose to have faith in and follow is grounded in the person, in the Jesus of the word of God, and it never changes. So in a world full of opinions, God's truth leads us to the convictions that we can build our lives on. What can I learn? What can I grow? How can I grow in these days? And we must be careful to discern the difference between opinions and convictions because the world doesn't need messiness that comes with numerous opinions. It needs the stability that comes with truth. And that's a real truth that shapes our opinions, not finding verses and taking them out of context, backing our opinion up, like I said. Otherwise, it's just a contribution to all the noise that distracts, (laughs) which is so funny, noise and distracts that keeps us looking into the scripture and the spirit of truth. So... Like I said, Jonah paid. He paid. He was invested in running away. He had an issue. And I find that just so like incredible that that he just was it was okay with being disobedient. He'd lost that connection with God, that relational he like he, he was still hearing God, but he'd lost the personal touch. He'd lost the the awe, the reverence, the fear of God. Because who would run from God? literally, and not be like, not, not believing in God, because he still believed in God, but he was honestly just, it was like, just didn't, he obviously didn't care. Our job is obedience, God jo- God's job is the outcome. And sometimes we like to swap the roles and tell God what we went, want, and then try to control the outcome. That's me. <laughs> just thank you, Jesus, for grace. Grace doesn't excuse the behaviour, it just, it doesn't excuse your behaviour and it doesn't excuse anyone else's behaviour, it just allows you to understand the backstory, because everyone has a story. And I love the, uh, I saw a little meme, mountaintops offer views and inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valley. And the valley that Jonah's in, where he went into the... Um, the whale, and I find it really interesting because a guy called Michael Packard earlier this year, he got swallowed by a humpback whale. He was only in there for about 30 seconds before the fish realised that it obviously wasn't something that it wanted to eat and he spat him out and he lived. But <laughs> there was also another guy called James Bartley in 1870 that, um, that a sperm whale actually swallowed and he apparently lived, back then it says, the account said he lived inside this whale for days until it got harpooned and they pulled the whale up onto the, um, up onto the boat and then cut it open and there's this guy living in there almost dead, but he still survived. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, so this can actually happen. <laughs> so, you know, Jonah's in the whale and, it, and I think that he really had that heart revelation, especially with seaweed wrapped around his head because that is one of the verses, that he understands that he made a mistake. And he's, and he's in a dark, cold, awful place, and he's like, okay, all right, I give up, I'll do it, God. And he goes to Nineveh, and he tells them. And then, he, you know, the last chapter is where I just, it just astounds me, because, <sighs> sorry, <laughs> Jonah, 
like, like I said, I thought the story was about saving Nineveh, but it's not. It's about a guy that God did so much work to try to change and grow him. So much. He prepared the call. He prepared a whale. He prepared a plant. It says that, you know, Jonah went up and sat on the top of a hill to watch to see if Nineveh would be destroyed. And then he didn't have shade and there was a plant that grew up and he was like, I am so, so entitled. This is my plant. That's great. Awesome. And then so God created a worm to eat the plant and then he was mad again and he, he was so like millennial, sorry millennials, but he was so like, I'm gonna, I just want to die because he was so hot in the sun. Like, and I realised something, that Jonah was the son of someone, so he's actually quite young. So we have all these dramatic people in the Bible, like these, like Elisha or Elijah, who ran and, you know, they were like, it just, it's over, it's so, you know, one day he's fire, God has breathed fire down and killed all the prophets, and the next day he's running away from Jezebel, and he just wants to die. And it's like, they're so dramatic. But then I realised, actually, no, they're just normal people, but they were just a lot younger than the adults that we are today. They're just young. And they're just having a dramatic moment and we all have the time when we fly off the handle. But God prepared so many things for this guy. And he still, at the very end, said, God said to Jonah in verse 9, chapter 4, verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah says, it is. And I am so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it or grow it, and it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. The team can come back now. And I should, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Like the last word that Jonah says is, I have every right to be angry. I am so self-entitled that I have every right to be angry. He still hasn't got it. He doesn't, this is not a good ending to the story. This is a story about a prophet that misses the point, misses the heart of God, misses the, misses the whole reason that he was called for. And, he's, and you know what? God still used him. The incredible thing is, is that God still used him. But what he missed out on was something so incredibly precious, was this incredible relationship. And I just want to finish with Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. Because how easy is it to do that? People see through when you're not genuine. And if we don't recognise that we have failings, and that was my third point, and I think I forgot to mention it. (laughs) But that's my third point. Recognise your failings. That if you don't recognise your failings, you just set yourself up for missing out on the incredible relationship that God has for you with Him. And the gift that you have yeah, you probably still work in it. You probably still do it because naturally that's what we're created for. But, but people will see through it if your relationship in your heart with God is not in the right place. And I just want to end with a prayer. Because I feel like 
Nobody ever wants to look at themselves and see where they're going wrong, and who would? I don't want to do that. It hurts. But I don't want to not grow. And I used to think, I'll just do whatever it takes. And now that scares me, to be honest. But I want to do whatever it takes. But it is a scary sentence. Because it means growth. And growth isn't always nice. God did more for Jonah than he did for that city. Because all of those people in the city only had to hear that God wanted them to turn from their ways, and they did. But he did a whole lot more for Jonah, and Jonah missed it. He missed it. Lord Jesus, I just pray, God, that you would help us to search our hearts, God. That you would just lay it all out, that you would just put your finger on just that one issue that we've been hiding from that one thing that's stopping us in our growth. I pray for self-reflection, God. I pray that you would just make it evident like a mirror that we are looking back at ourselves and that we can see where we need to change and grow, even if it hurts. Pray that you would just bring your presence Grow us, God. Change our heart. That we would not be like Jonah, God, and miss out on the very point of love that you were trying to bring across to him, God. You love, you love, you love everyone. Love is just a little word, but such a massive meaning behind it, God. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us piece together our lives and build our character and change us, God. By, by what sort of M said and, and sort of throughout the whole chapter of Jonah, just all these impossible things that only a God, our God, could do. And I think this storm's getting ready to roll. starting to rise and I see a world 